Hello and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Root of BTN.com. In this episode, we'll give you the best of both worlds in Big Ten sports. We'll talk some Big Ten hoops, which tipped off Tuesday night. Season openers across the conference. Uh, we had eight games tip off, eight Big Ten teams and their season debuts. So talked plenty of Big Ten hoops. And we talked some Big Ten football as well, especially with the regular season in its final month here in November. We're less than a month away from the Big Ten championship game in Indy, so we have a lot of scenarios to talk about. Uh, games this past weekend had plenty of implications beyond the Big Ten and some important games coming up this weekend. So talk hoops and football on this episode, and we do it with two of the best. And we start with a recurring guest here on the Take Ten podcast, national figure and a giant in the college basketball reporting world, it's Andy Katz. Andy, who contributed to BTN last year for the first year um, with us, he also is a reporter for NCA.com. This year he'll be doing some work with Fox Sports as well. So he's everywhere. He's one of the titans of college basketball reporting, and he's been a huge help to our digital and TV efforts here at BTN with his insight and he's starting uh his second season of the big 10 basketball podcast which launched last year in his first year with us so andy tells you all about where to find that podcast what kind of guests he has on i'm sure a lot of you regular listeners of this show tuned into that one as well because he gets uh you know the biggest the best guests week in and week out and uh he's coming back with that podcast this year so andy lets us know uh what that show is all about uh in its return just come up here soon and we also talked plenty of uh, current college basketball andy was in indianapolis on tuesday night for the champions classic and the games between michigan state and kansas and the nightcap between duke and kentucky which uh was pretty much the duke blue devil show for two and a half hours while kentucky watched like the rest of the fans uh, and andy on the sidelines um, and kind of sat in amazement at the display put on by Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and the rest of that amazing Duke freshman class. So we talked plenty of college hoops nationally and in the Big Ten as well, talked Michigan State's performance, and we kind of previewed Big Ten season while working into some discussion from the opening night of Big Ten hoops on Tuesday. Obviously, can't take much from just one night, but uh, we kind of used it in the framework, uh, Tuesday night's games in the framework of a season preview with Andy, who had his eyes on the Big Ten closely all offseason and has a uh, really good finger on the pulse of what could play out this year as we get rolling here into, uh, you know, November basketball, which is really, really juicy this last, you know, few years. It's always been good, but now there's a lot of uh, marquee non-conference games. The tournaments have been getting better and better every year around Thanksgiving. Plenty to talk about, and we do it all with Andy Katz coming up here on the show. And I mentioned we have some college football talk as well. We did not lean on Mr. Katz for that. Instead, we turned to our in-house researcher, Harold Shelton, like we do every week for our weekly stat head segment, where we go behind the numbers of Big Ten sports and talk mostly uh, college football with Harold Shelton, with H as I call him. And uh, H broke down a ton of scenarios for the Big Ten championship game in Indy, the implications for this upcoming weekend games and how it all kind of ties into the last weekend of college football. So a lot of good stuff with Harold Shelton as always. This is a two guest episode starting with Andy Katz and then get to Harold's stat hit segment after that. And before we get to both of those, 
Just want to get a word in from our sponsor and something you definitely want to listen to if you have an interest in starting or building a career in sports. And it's a message from the Northwestern University School of Professional Studies. You can build a solid foundation in the strategic, creative, and analytic skills that are essential for success in the business of sports in the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu slash sports. So yeah, if you want to work at a place like BTN in the future, or if you want to work anywhere in the sports industry, definitely check out that master's program up the road from Chicago here at Northwestern. Highly recommend it. All right, now we'll get to our first interview of this episode. As I mentioned uh, in his lengthy introduction in the beginning here, the guest is Andy Katz, longtime college basketball reporter, uh, one of the best there is, very plugged in, and obviously he will show off his expertise here in the next 20 minutes or so. Andy Katz of BTN, NCA.com, and Fox Sports. That starts right now. I'm very pleased to be joined by a national college basketball reporter. He's a major contributor for BTN, NCAA.com, and starting this year for Fox as well. Andy Katz, you can follow him on Twitter, at TheAndyKatz. Andy, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Alex. Uh, pleasure to be back with BTN. Yeah, excited for you to come back this year. And uh, first of all, got to bring up the return of the Big Ten Basketball Podcast. Coming back this year, hosted by Andy Katz, uh, coming back for its second season and. For those who haven't got a chance to listen to it this year, I was hoping you could tell us about the podcast you do for us and give us an idea of the types of guests you typically have on for those who haven't heard it yet. Well, I mean, clearly what I want to always do is give you sort of the news of the week in the Big Ten with, you know, someone, uh, one of our other analysts, someone who obviously covers the Big Ten regularly. Uh, That'll be a staple. I'm always going to have, you know, sort of a rotation of the head coaches. I mean, we only got so many, so I'll, I'll be judicious and some will make return appearances. Um, definitely going to have a lot of players uh, already next week for the first one. Uh, you'll hear from Wisconsin's Ethan Happ. Uh, I was in the locker room last night, sat down with Michigan State's Nick Ward. Uh, probably going to be joined by Indiana's Juwan Morgan as well, and Robbie Hummel will join me. So uh, we'll look ahead to the Gavit games next week, which will start. Um, and then obviously the week after we get the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, so every week there's going to be a lot to discuss in the new 20-game Big Ten regular season schedule. Yeah, so everyone definitely needs to check that out. It's the Big Ten Basketball Podcast. can be found where podcasts are, are found on all the main platforms, iTunes, uh, Google Play, all that good stuff. So definitely recommend that. And nowhere else is getting guests like head coaches and, and players in season. So highly recommended for basketball fans. And Andy, it's great to have you on a day after a huge opening night in college basketball. I'm going to treat this whole episode kind of still like a, a season preview since we're only a day or two into the season. But I want to start with opening night and start our discussion there. Um, first off, were you at any of the games or were you taking it all in from home last night? No, no, no I was in Indianapolis. Okay, great. Um, so I'd love to hear some of your takeaways from Champions Classic opening night. Obviously, I'm sure like the rest of us, you uh, didn't imagine a 30-point blowout of Kentucky coming from Duke, did you? No. <laughs> I thought Kentucky was going to win, and I thought Michigan State was going to win, so I went over for 2. Um, <laughs> um, the Michigan State result, you know, a lot of that was just they dug themselves such a huge hole. Uh, I would judge more Michigan State uh, the second half than with the first. Um, you know, they just they got a little shell-shocked, I think, in the first half, and I talked to Tom Mizzo after. You know, Quentin Grimes, 
and Devin Dotson, the freshman guards from Kansas, who Bill Self had decided basically that day to start, um, you know, they came out firing. And I think that caught Michigan State a little off guard defensively, and that created a hole. And then they had a real hard time stopping Diedrich Lawson and uh, Udoka uh, Azubuike, and that was a problem for Michigan State. But Michigan State offensively really clicked. Kyle Aarons, you know, started making shots. Uh, they took better care of the basketball in the second half. Um, you know, they still gave up a ton of points, and that's going to be a concern for them defensively. But I'm going to be in Vegas with them in two weeks over Thanksgiving, and I'm going to predict that we're going to see a different uh, Michigan State team, especially defensively. Yeah, Michigan State always seems to grow from these early season losses and, and games against top teams. And I want to get into them a little deeper in just a moment. But first, I want to go a little uh, deeper with you on Duke as well because – I just want to get your opinion seeing them up close. Like, is this what it's going to be like all season long from the Blue Devils? Because we've seen Kentucky kind of look shell-shocked early in, in games like this with all their freshmen. But, you know, you look at numbers from three of those Duke freshmen, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and Zion Williamson. They combined for 83 points last night, and that's insane. Is this, is this what we can expect from Duke consistently? Well, uh, I mean, they're going to have to because they're going to be their main, you know, sort of offensive uh, outputs. Uh, and Trey Jones was seven uh, assists, zero turnovers. So they got like this is going to be very difficult to beat. My only thing that I would just pause here, um, and I said this last night, is that when they get into conference play, which is a totally different animal, and historically Duke does lose games on the road in conference, um, what they don't have. And maybe Trey Jones will, will change that trend. But they don't have the veteran lead guard to settle things down when they get in a really crazy, hostile environment. You know, whether that's at Virginia or a Florida State or a Virginia Tech, you know, obviously Carolina. I mean, last year they lost to, uh, to BC on the road. So um, could this be like what we saw with Kentucky a couple of years ago when they went 38-0 or losing to Wisconsin in the Final Four? Maybe. Um, but... I just would be a little reluctant to project that because of the lack of overall experience of being in adverse situations. And I asked those guys last night, you know, how are you going to handle when you have an adverse situation? And they said they don't know because, <laughs> you know, it's nothing they've ever experienced before. Sure. And just being up close and, and seeing a player like Zion Williamson in person, can you remember anyone over your decades of covering college hoops, uh, a similar player with that kind of build and athleticism? Well, I, I will say that physically he reminds me of LeBron in that, you know, when I saw LeBron, he didn't play college obviously, but in high school, LeBron looked like a man. And standing next to Zion in the locker room last night interviewing him, I mean, he looks like a fully developed man. And, you know, a lot stronger and everything. So, um, you know, he's got a little Barkley in him. Um, in terms of just his presence, great kid, uh, good personality. Um, you know, I think that he's just going to have a great year and be really engaging and a pleasure to watch. Yeah, Zion's uh, dunks and, and overall game is going to be really fun to watch all season, especially as they get ready to head out to Maui here soon face some more really tough competition. It's going to be uh, intriguing to see how they fare there. Um, Want to get one or two more thoughts from you on Michigan State and just overall how you thought they looked last night and, and how it projects going forward. Because to me, they look like a top 10 to 15 team. Couldn't really break through that 7 to 10 point cushion until really it was too late against, uh, against Kansas. And we mentioned the tough schedule they play early on, and they, they generally bounce back. So why do you think they'll, they'll uh, 
perform better in Vegas when you, when you see him in a couple of weeks? Is it just stuff you saw last night, or is it a trend under Izzo that you think will continue? Probably the latter, just that I still think they've got the pieces, and you know it just takes teams usually a little while to defend the way their coach wants, and you know I'm sort of trusting the process, and I believe that Tom will have these guys uh, just locked in a little bit more. And, you know, look, that tournament, by the way, historically, UCLA and Carolina aren't great defensive teams, um, you know, much more on the offensive end. So that'll be a good test for Michigan State, whereas if they can get their offense clicking for a full 40 minutes, they should be able to score against those two. Uh, and, you know, Texas and you know, all the different combinations of what could happen over the two days. Uh, I know they open up with UCLA, but... Uh, if they were to play Texas, for example, I still think they can score on Texas as well. So it'll be whether or not their defense improves over the next two weeks uh, or a little less. It's actually, be two weeks from tomorrow. Um, then uh, I think that'll be a good indicator. All right, so Andy, elsewhere in the Big Ten, Michigan raised a couple banners in their opener, and John Beeline got win number 800 in his career. So I know this is kind of a sweeping question, but how do you put his career accomplishments in perspective as he crosses this milestone? Well, I think he, you know, up until recently was not appreciated the way he should have been nationally. I mean, he now is definitely viewed as one of the best coaches in the game. Uh, I think he's a future Hall of Famer and, you know, never been an assistant coach, um, just lives and breathes it, loves just actually studying the game, teaching. Um, and, you know, even though players, you know, have come and gone and uh, I just think that the players that have finished their careers there with him, whether it's, you know, LeMoyne, Canisius, West Virginia, Michigan, uh, there's such an appreciation for what they've learned from him. And I think that's, you know, he, he definitely defines sort of the teacher-coach uh, definition uh, of what you hope, you know, your, your leader of a college basketball program is. Absolutely. And uh, how about... I want to get your take on Michigan this year. I mean, to me, from what I saw last night, I know you didn't get to see them live, but they look skilled. They look pretty smooth. I think they're going to defend at a high level again. Uh, didn't score a whole lot of points last night, but it's one game. So what are your thoughts on uh, this version of the Wolverines coming off of Final Four but losing a couple guys to, uh, to the league in graduation? Well, I mean, I think this Michigan team is going to be like last season in that not I don't think it's talented. Um, they don't have a Wagner type, but they will be so much better in February than they are in November. And people forget, they really struggled in Maui last year. And that's almost just forgotten um, because of what they did, you know, in late February and March and April. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this will be a team that will be in the, you know, competing for the top four in the Big Ten, decent seed, and certainly can be a second weekend team. I want to kind of move across the list here, potential Big Ten contenders. And two teams I noticed you were higher on than most in your preseason Power 36 rankings were Nebraska and Indiana, who you had at, I believe, 16 and 21, respectively. Why do you think you were higher on them than than most of the voters? Because I agree with you that they deserve to be ranked a little higher coming into this season. Well, I mean, first of all, Nebraska returns its core and experience matters. So, I mean, look, if you're not going to be high in Nebraska now, are you ever going to be high in them? (laughs) You know. They, they finished fourth in the Big Ten last season. Uh, they've got all these guys back. Um, you know, I mean, basically, they didn't win the non-conference games last season that they should have. 
Um, and that's what I think hurt them getting into the tournament more than anything in the Big Ten. Uh, so we'll see here in the next two months. But they should be ranked, I think, as one of the two or three best teams in the Big Ten. Indiana, you know, Romeo Langford had a good debut last night. Uh, Juwan Morgan's one of the best players in the country now. They're defending. Uh, once again, their talent has risen up. They should be considered one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Sure, and like you mentioned, Romeo got off to a really nice start. I mean, both opponents that Nebraska and Indiana played were not very good, but uh, Romeo looked really smooth. He kind of glides out there. They, everything looks like it comes easy to him. Had 17 first-half points and a uh, really solid performance, and Nebraska just blew the doors off of Mississippi Valley State. Um, another debut last night, Carson Edwards, who I remember at Media Day in Chicago last month, you, you were saying how he could be potential national player of the year contender. He certainly got off to hey, a good start. 30. Yeah, <laughs> good start in that campaign with 30 points. Um, do you think he's going to have enough juice to kind of carry the Boilers? I know they have a good supporting cast, but what are your thoughts on, on Carson and, and Purdue overall? You know, I had them in my top four. I think he can be, have a Shabazz Napier-like year where – you know, a smaller guard with a big heart and who can make big shots. Uh, he doesn't have a bunch of, uh, you know, jokers around him. He's got players. And I, but I mean, I think he's ready, willing, and able to shoulder the major load of, you know, being a dominant scorer. And, you know, he'll dominate the ball. Uh, and I think he'll be a little more judicious, you know, when, when he gets into the Big Ten and defenses are going to really try to lock him up. Uh, but he can be the distributor. So I, I think that... He definitely can be an All-American Player of the Year, and Purdue, you know, should be a team that finishes. Um, you know, I've rattled off. We've talked about four of them, but I mean, they're right there to finish in that top four. Yeah, and speaking of thirty uh, and Carson's thirty, Wisconsin and Minnesota, I believe, went thirty and thirty-one respectively in your Power Thirty-six rankings. And Ethan Happ had a triple-double in the opener last night. First off, Andy, you're a Wisconsin guy. Can you believe that's only the second triple-double in Wisconsin history? Because I was surprised. I'm not, just because people forget how bad the history of <laughs> Wisconsin basketball is. So new records are not surprising to me because I, I saw in the late 80s, you know, how bad the basketball was. I know. I guess I just figured that, like, Kaminsky would have had a couple or something. I don't know, but I, I was a little surprised. But uh, your experience with Wisconsin basketball goes much farther <laughs> back than mine. Um, and then Minnesota looks like they might have a point guard. Um, you know, Isaiah Washington, who had a up-and-down year last year, had 11 assists in the opener, and uh, I think your ranking of them as a near top 25 team looks pretty accurate just from how they looked last night. They look pretty good. Yeah, and they don't have their full team yet because um, Eric Curry's still hurt. He had surgery. Marcus Carr is not eligible yet, transfer. So, I mean, and people forget about Jordan Murphy and how good he is as a double-double machine. So uh, I'm, I'm high on the Gophers. I'm looking forward to seeing them. I'm going to see them uh, one of their non-conference games coming up in early December. Yeah, I know you've been uh, definitely advocating for them that they should be higher, and I tend to agree with you on, on that. Um, two teams that I kind of need to see something out of before I get behind them and, and uh, get on their bandwagons are Maryland and Iowa. Maryland got uh, a win last night, and it got kind of tight at the end against Delaware. Iowa is not taking the floor yet. But I want to get your thoughts on those two teams. Those are two teams that I think have plenty of talent, but we're just not sure if they're going to make that leap into the top half of the Big Ten. What do you think about the Hawkeyes and, and Terrapins and kind of class they fit into? Yeah, when I did my, my uh, predictions at, uh, for the NCAA, um, those are the two that I had, you know, sort of uh, on the edge. Uh, Iowa returns everyone, but as Fran McCaffrey said quite often, they got to defend. 
Um, you know, they got a potential star in Tyler Cook, but we got to wait and see. Next week's a huge week for them. They're in New York with uh, Oregon, UConn, and Syracuse. Uh, splitting the two games there would be huge for them. Um, and for Maryland, uh, I'll get a chance to see them actually a week from Sunday uh, in College Park. And, uh, you know, they don't have a great non-conference schedule. Got a couple of big games, but, um, you know, look, they did lose Kevin Herter. Uh, and I think that's a because he was such a difference maker. But Bruno Fernando uh, is a great rim protector. He's only improved offensively. And Anthony Cowan certainly can be uh, that elite on-ball uh, distributor, defender. Um, you know, I think they're going to be one of those classic sort of right-on-the-edge teams, uh, both of them, uh, that could go with it. You know, they could be the difference between the Big Ten getting, you know, eight or nine bids versus six or seven. Yeah, and Jalen Smith, the freshman on Maryland, looks pretty impressive too. They got a, some serious size down low with Fernando and, and Smith, but we'll see if they can take advantage and if it's enough to, uh, like you said, get over that uh, get over that hump. Um, before we wrap up, Andy, I wanted to maybe get your uh, recommendations on players or, or other teams you're excited to watch in the Big Ten. I know in your uh, freshman preview, you mentioned Io DeSumo of Illinois and Jaden Ladea of Ohio State as guys to keep an eye on um who are some guys that, that you recommend that we might not know about that we should watch out for um it's a good question now looks <laughs> um uh, you, yeah, you got me thinking here uh i will just say this as i'm scratching and i don't have rosters in front of me the one team that i was sort of down on uh that it was an exhibition but i think we need to give them a little bit more credit and that's Penn State. You know, they beat West Virginia in an exhibition game. And, uh, you know, they lost Tony Carr. But maybe there was more returning than we gave credit for Penn State. I want to win now. I think, you know, Pat Chambers has done a really good job building that program up. And they're a program. I know you were looking for players, but I'll just give you a program that I think we need to sort of uh, reconsider based on that one result if they can create more momentum going forward uh, here in the non-conference. Yeah, the Nittany Lions are, are fascinating to me because, I mean, I think they had NCAA tournament talent last year, uh, just fell short, and then I'll, I'm really intrigued to see how they proceed without Tony Carr, but with, with a lot of that surrounding cast still there. Um, all right, final question, Andy, um, and you've touched on a lot of these already a little bit, but I just want to get some early season games you're excited to watch because we got a lot of good November basketball coming up. Uh, Michigan-Villanova is, is one matchup. Coming up, we got, uh, like you mentioned, the Vegas tournaments and Maui and uh, really a, a phenomenal time of year for college basketball. So where will you be and what will you uh, have your well, the, eyes glued I'll on? Beat the Michigan, I'll beat the Michigan-Villanova game. I told you I'll be in Vegas. But the two games next week, to, and I, I don't want to give too much away because we're going to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. But I'll just say the two games to really circle next week for the Big Ten are Wisconsin at Xavier. It's kind of game Xavier is rebuilding. So that's the kind of game the Badgers – really should win this season, even though it's very difficult to win at the Centos Center. And then the Marquette-Indiana game, I actually think, will be the best game of the Gavit games. Marcus Howard, Romeo Langford. I think Marquette could be the second-best team in the Big East. Um, I think that's a high, high-level game in Bloomington. Uh, and if Marquette goes and wins that game, that's significant for them. If Indiana holds serve at home, I think that's huge for Indiana, too. I mean, that's the sort of the respect I'm giving both these programs going into that game. I love the Gavit games. That just kind of the addition it's added to uh, 
November basketball. And I, I'm sure you yeah. agree. It's been fun. Um, all right, Andy. Uh, like like all you right, said, for see you soon. yeah, for extended breakdown, check out the Big Ten basketball podcast. We'll have plenty of uh, plenty of insight and uh, plenty of great interviews. So we look forward to following you and having you back here at BTN for a second year. All right, thanks, Alex. All right, thanks once again to Andy for joining me. I believe that's the third time I've had him on the Take 10 Podcast. I always enjoy talking to him, enjoy working with him when he's in the studio and uh, when we connect on the road. Uh, just great all-around guy. And um, basically what you see with him on TV is what you get in person. It's super genuine and uh, always enjoy having him on. Hopefully we'll do that again soon. And like we said at the top, make sure you subscribe to the Big Ten Basketball Podcast as well, which will have all kinds of great interviews. Good stuff you really can't get anywhere else, especially if you're looking for a comprehensive conference look at the sport. So find that, just like find the Take 10 podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, uh, anywhere really you can find podcasts, you should be able to find these episodes, and I highly recommend subscribing to both. All right, now we'll get to our weekly stat head segment with BTN researcher Harold Shelton. H and I break down a little bit of basketball in the beginning because he is a Spartan guy. So we talked last night, or, uh, Tuesday night's game, and after that, get heavily into Big Ten football, numbers behind the matchups, and a lot more. So, without any further delay, it's the Take Ten podcast discussion with Harold Shelton. All right, I'm very pleased to be joined once again by Harold Shelton, BTN researcher joins us as always for our weekly stat head segment and h how you holding up this time of year and i know i ask you every week especially as hoops get started and football's still in full swing are you uh doing okay over there doing all right the, the crossover is definitely tough uh was in here late last night with all of the the basketball games going on and then the playoff ranking so it's been a been a busy last few days but as you know it's november i think i think we all kind of feel it you know you walk in the halls you kind of give a knowing nod to somebody and it's like yeah we're all in this and at the end of the day we're just getting paid to watch sports essentially so it's not yeah, too bad pretty much <laughs> and we're getting paid to talk about sports kind of a little bit here and uh we'll, we'll get into some college football talk in just a second but i definitely wanted to kind of close the loop on some college basketball discussion that i had with andy katz just a few moments ago uh andy's the guest on this week's episode and since you are michigan state grad michigan state fan and Michigan State played in the biggest game in the Big Ten last night. I want to get your thoughts on their close-ish loss to Kansas in the Champions Classic. They fell, I think, by five points, had it down to one possession late, but it was uh, kind of a seven- to ten-point game throughout. So what were your overall impressions from season opener last night for the Spartans? Uh, just kind of proved to me that the team still goes as Cassius Winston goes. I thought even last year with Bridges and Jackson – um, you know, two lottery picks that Winston was still the most important player on that team. Whenever he played really well, they pretty much never lost. And whenever he was uneven with the ball or he wasn't aggressive on offense or turned it over too much is when they seemed to struggle. Uh, that was kind of the issue last night. Even though he had 11 assists, he turned it over five times, uh, didn't shoot well from the floor. And so when he can't create offense for himself and for others, they really struggle in the half court. Um, it was good to see them battle back. You know, it was good to see Kenny Goins kind of come out of nowhere and, and you know get 17 and 11, uh, especially seeing 
you know, especially with Nick Ward struggling as mightily as he did, it was good to see guys pick up the pieces uh, elsewhere, whether it was Matt McQuaid chipping in with 12 or, you know, Josh Lankford coming alive in the second half. They're going to need Aaron's look pretty of, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. Good to see Arns come back and hit a couple threes. Uh, they could have used him last year against Syracuse, but we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> yeah, and I got to, it's early in the season, so I got to get my pronunciations down, all the names. Uh, no Kyle Arns, that's what I got you for. Um, also, H, Katz just said on the pod that he thinks Michigan State's going to look a lot better and do really well coming up in Vegas in a couple weeks. I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on their outlook as the holiday tournaments come up here soon. Yeah, I, I definitely think that they will get better. I mean, it's always hard to open the season up with the number one team in the country. I mean, you can argue probably number two after seeing Duke last night. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, with a team that relied a lot on, you know, Bridges and Jackson and mostly front court production last year to have a complete 180 and playing, a, you know, a top two team in the country away from home is a tough ask. I don't know if they'll see a front line all year that was as big as Kansas. I mean, Azabuki's a load, and Nick Ward couldn't really do much against him on either end. I don't know if they'll be be seeing guys like that the rest of the year. And, you know, hopefully for the juniors, you know, Winston, Lankford, and Ward, you know, it's kind of a wake-up call. Like, hey, guys, this is your team now. Like, you know, you can't blame anybody else. You know, no one's going to say, well, Bridges didn't do this, or Jackson can bail us out. Like, this is your team. And, you know, we'll see what the the next measuring stick is in Vegas. Yeah, as a book, he looked really good, and, and it was just too much at, for most of the time for guys like Ward to handle last night. But yeah, uh, plenty of season left, obviously, and then plenty of big matchups coming up here in the Big Ten, and, and we'll talk about those, I'm sure, on future episodes. And uh, I want to move on to football because we talked a lot of hoops with cats and uh, have you on – this week especially for a breakdown of, of what happened last weekend in college football, especially in the Big Tens. We had a lot of big games and, and want to get a quick look ahead to the upcoming weekend as well. And we'll start last weekend in Ann Arbor where biggest result of the weekend, most significant result in terms of uh, playoff hopes of the Big Ten happened as Michigan was able to handily take care of Penn State, put a whooping on them really. It was 42-7. It was to seven. It was never really close, and you kind of called it H that Michigan would avenge last year and do it in pretty impressive fashion. So, what did they do that confirmed your prediction from last week? Well, I think you know Trace McSorley kind of being banged up played into it. I mean, Michigan is a very very aggressive defense, and it combined that with a ball control offense. And so, when your defense is able to get you the ball back, you know and three plays, four plays, five plays, you can just eventually wear down a team. I mean, Penn State only trailed 14 nothing in the, at half. And in the second half, you know, those two and three-yard runs start turning into six and seven. You know, the, the passing game starts opening up a little more because you're trying to sell out for the run. And when you get up like that and you make Penn State one-dimensional, you know, McSorley's kind of been inaccurate all year. Uh, they even made a move to put Tommy Stevens in. That didn't work as Michigan, you know, took one of his passes to the house. So it just kind of snowballed on them. I think once the league got out of hand, like the worst thing you could be against Michigan is one-dimensional because they got so many good athletes on that side of the ball to, to rush the passer and just create a bunch of havoc. Yeah, Michigan's revenge tour continues. I'm going to get tired of hearing and saying the phrase revenge tour. I'm sure you're already sick of it. But that's what it is, and that's <laughs> that's how they're rolling. And, uh, you know, they're loud. They're not uh, not afraid to ruffle some feathers. Uh, it's got 
the look of a team, and I've been saying it for a few weeks now, of one that's you know just on one of those rolls that could carry all the way to India and beyond the college football playoff. And I kind of want to juxtapose their performance with their rival, Ohio State, who is on a collision course with Michigan still for a significant game on the uh, rivalry matchup in the last regular season uh, week of the year. And really, they're, they're kind of two teams going in opposite directions. Ohio State is just after the loss to Purdue, still hasn't looked all that impressive in their one game. They, they squeaked by Nebraska. Credit to Nebraska for looking really solid and looking a lot better lately. But Ohio State still is in this kind of pattern of squeaking by inferior teams. And it, right now, if if Ohio State and Michigan play tomorrow, I think Michigan would have a huge edge. Yeah, I mean, I think the game certainly helps being in Columbus. But, yeah, for whatever reason, you know, through nine games, this just might be who they are. I mean, they made a concerted effort to run the ball last week, and, and they were able to with some success. Uh, I think they did run for 229 yards, you know, averaged about five or six yards a carry. But you wonder if that's sustainable against some of the better defenses that they'll see. They're going to see two really good ones in the next three weeks. Um, you know, it helped that they didn't have to rely on Haskins to win a game. They might have to, uh, you know, against the two Michigan schools. The defense still has some issues. They gave up a couple 40-yard plays. You know, I just you kind of just wonder if this is who they are. I mean, I'm not throwing in the tile on them. You know, they're still very, very talented. But, you know, through nine games, I mean, it just might be what the product is. Yeah, they're definitely trending opposite, like I said, with their rival Michigan Wolverines. And, um, I don't know, like, if you would ask me a month ago, I would have said complete opposite. Ohio State kind of had – everything going their way and now it's just like you said it's just been a weird kind of season there in Columbus starting off with all the drama with the head coach and uh Joe Nick Bosa and beyond I will say though that that game all the previous 11 don't matter like, yeah toss it out seen, you know Michigan teams that have not been as good push Ohio State to the brink and these are Ohio State teams that were competing for Big Ten and national titles and you know they've had to squeak by by one or in overtime so I wouldn't be shocked if Ohio State, you know, came out guns blazing in that game if there was still something to play for. We'll see if there's still something to play for. Yeah, and that game's going to be dissected plenty in the next few weeks, so we won't linger on that too long. Did want to uh, move on to a result this past weekend that could determine the representative in Indy on the other side of the Big Ten in the West. And you talked about it last week heading in, but that Iowa-Purdue result could you know, virtually pencil Northwestern into a Big Ten title game slot, regardless of their performance against Notre Dame, obviously, last week. Um, it was just a weird situation because Notre Dame lost, and their season outlook got a whole lot better because of that Iowa-Purdue result. So you kind of break down what happened with Iowa-Purdue. It was a great game. Purdue edged uh, the Hawkeyes and with their third win over top 25 this team, uh, top 25 t- team this year, which is really impressive. And, and how did that result kind of determine Northwestern's championship hopes going forward? Uh, so that's for the game itself. I mean, it just kind of goes to show you, you know, how good Jeff Brom is, uh, how well David Blau's playing. I mean, a ton of big plays through the air. Mm-hmm. You know, Terry Wright's a guy who you don't really account for in that offense because you have Rondell Moore, you have Isaac Zico, you have Bryson Hopkins at tight end, and you got DJ Knox, and then this is the guy that burns you for 160 and three touchdowns. So they just it just goes to show you, especially you know 
at Ross A, just how many weapons they have. Uh, and they were able to take advantage of a beat-up secondary for Iowa. I mean, it was pretty crazy that, you know, since this is the first time since 2001 that they've allowed 30 in consecutive Big Ten games. Yeah, I was going to say, big, like, beat-up secondary or not, you don't expect Iowa's defense to allow 38 points. Right, exactly. And so now with that loss, I mean, that, I mean, it really, really opens the door for Northwestern. There are a variety of scenarios where they can clinch. Uh, they could potentially clinch it this week if they beat Iowa, Wisconsin lost to Penn State, and Purdue lost to Minnesota. Uh, even if Northwestern lost this week, they could still go if they win their last two. Even if you know they lost two, their next two or two of their final three, they could still go if they get some help around them with Wisconsin and Purdue uh, losing games. So it's just pretty crazy, you know, the fact that Northwestern could go winless and not conference play and still control their destiny. Yeah, full disclosure, I didn't see Northwestern's game against Notre Dame Saturday night, so I, I didn't get a great look at the Irish, just saw the highlights and uh, so was keeping up with the score. How did, how did Northwestern look against Notre Dame? Did Notre Dame look like a legit playoff team? And, and how do you think Northwestern, you know, fared in that considering they'll have to take on a team of pretty similar caliber if they do make it to Indy? Uh, they definitely gave him a game. I mean, it looked like it was going to get away from him for a little while. Uh, they trailed by 17, you know, battled back, cut it to three. Uh, Northwestern stopped the run most of the day, which is what they're really good at doing. Uh, the problem is that they had a couple of defensive backs get hurt, and then Ian Book took advantage of it. You know, he had over 200 yards and accounted uh, for three touchdowns in the second half to kind of put that game away. Uh, but I think Northwestern, you know, acquitted themselves well. Uh, I thought they definitely had a chance to win the game. It sucks to have those injuries because that might affect them during this Big Ten race. And even if they get to Indy, we'll see if those guys get back or not. But, you know, I think for Big Ten purposes, for playoff purposes, you want Northwestern to win out, potentially get to 8-4, and four, or possibly be ranked. And if Michigan or Ohio State can play them and beat them, then that gives you a little extra boost. Yeah, that'll go a long way. All right, we'll use Northwestern to kind of catapult us into week 11 of college football. You mentioned Northwestern's matchup with Iowa this weekend, how it could determine Big Ten race. So if they win that one, it's it's uh, looking really rosy. And you mentioned they could clinch this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. But potentially clinch this weekend. I mean, I don't see Purdue losing to Minnesota, so they'll probably have to win the yeah. following week as well. But it is possible if Purdue uh, were to get upset and Wisconsin loses in Happy Valley. All right, let's move on to some of the other games this weekend. Since Northwestern is in the driver's seat, like we said, uh, anything can happen. But if I were, uh, you know, the heavy media contingent coming out of Evanston and, and fans as well, I'd feel pretty good right now. I know uh, some people in Chicagoland area certainly do. Um, Let's look ahead to your Spartans and their matchup with the Buckeyes coming up. Uh, you mentioned how Ohio State has some tough tests coming up. This is certainly one of them. Um, game was close, I believe, a couple years ago, but they've beaten Michigan State the last two years. What do you envision Ohio State looking like coming off really three or four disappointing performances in a row, just really a disappointing month? How do you, how do you see the Buckeyes coming out? And at 6-3, and three, how do you see Michigan State approaching their end of the season with uh, you know still a, a really good bowl to play for. Yeah, I think Ohio State's got to throw it to win it. I don't think they'll be able to run it. 
Um, you know, Michigan State's run defense still the best in the country statistically. Completely shut down Maryland last week. I think they had 26 yards rushing. So, Ohio State's been struggling to run the ball all year. I don't know. I don't see how that changes this week. Um, teams that have beaten Michigan State for the most part have been able to to throw it with a decent amount of success. Um, the problem is, I guess they have to try to find balance. They threw it 73 times against Purdue. I don't know if that's necessarily the answer. Uh, the good thing is for Ohio State, at least in these next two weeks, they're going to be playing some pretty one-dimensional offenses with Michigan State and Maryland. So that might give them a better opportunity because you know those games will be more low scoring. I mean, Purdue had a ton of weapons were were able to get up on them. I don't think Michigan State or Maryland could do that. Uh, but they need those two wins to try to build up some momentum uh, to get to the Michigan game. Again, if they still win out, like they'll go to Indy. Like yeah. they're not out of this thing. Yeah. So there's a lot to play for for the Buckeyes. And, you know, they can kind of wipe away that Purdue loss and October if they can get to Indy. Uh, is it going to be Lombardi or Lewerke from Michigan State? Sounds like Lewerke, even though he's still kind of playing hurt. Um, you know, he D'Antonio referred to Lombardi as his ace reliever. Um, I was I think personally he that uh, Labardi should be starting until Lewerke's 100%. Mm-hmm. doesn't seem like he is 100%. He's trying to play through it. Um, I think that kind of limits the offense. That's already kind of limited to begin with. But, you know, obviously he's won 106 games and I've won zero. <laughs> and so <laughs> hopefully he can win 107 uh, this Saturday. You've won zero right now at this point in your career. But don't rule out, <laughs> don't rule out a uh, career change. In the near future, you know, you got the just work your way, give me a shot. Work your way into the shot. front office. That's that's what happens now. The numbers guys work their way into the front office, and they get a general manager, or you know, who knows? Exactly. Don't run yourself out. All right. Um, looking across the conference now to another game that you know, if you looked at it in September, you would think, hey, this could be a game with huge implications, not only in the Big Ten but nationally. And right now, it's just not carrying that same weight that we might have envisioned. That's Wisconsin visiting Penn State. Wisconsin's not even in the top 25 anymore. Penn State's number 20. It's just kind of a, a game that features two teams that really, you know, we had high expectations for, and not that they've had bad seasons, but just haven't reached a level that a lot of people thought they would heading into this uh, this campaign. Yeah, it's kind of a disappointment ball, right? I mean, both of these teams started, you know, preseason top 10. You know, they hadn't met since the uh, – the classic 2016 Big Ten Championship game. You know, this could have been a potential preview of that uh, this year. And unfortunately, both teams have three losses. It's kind of hard to believe that the loser of this is going to have four, right. considering all of the high expectations. Um, you know, both quarterback situations are a little dicey. You know, Alex Hornerbrook got knocked out of last week's game, another concussion. Uh, you know, Trace has been bothered, you know, with a leg injury the last couple of weeks. So, you know, they've been kind of using Tommy Stevens. Jack Cohen played the whole second half last week, started in the Northwestern game uh, the week before that. So it's kind of hard to, to say, you know, what the game will look like because we don't even know, you know, how the quarterbacks are going to be or which ones are even going to be out there. Uh, I will say I, I think it will be hard for Wisconsin to win that game uh, just being one-dimensional. Uh, but if they were able to find a way to win and put some pressure on Northwestern, it could make the race interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think Penn State's definitely going to be hungry because James Franklin doesn't seem like a guy who's going to let that type of loss sit well. 42-7 to blowout, I think right. he's going to be on those guys, and I assume they'll respond accordingly. 
Uh, looking across the rest of the conference, I mean, Maryland, Indiana, that game has bold implications for the, for the Terps. Uh, Indiana has disappointed a little bit lately. And then you mentioned Purdue, Minnesota. I think Purdue has the edge, even though that is on the road there. Uh, one more game that is a little intriguing, and I want to get Nebraska into this discussion before we sign off here because they have really looked a lot better this last month or so, especially going into Columbus and giving Ohio State a game. And I know Minnesota did that and Indiana did that as well, but I think Nebraska, was, this is really the, uh, a real game that they gave. It wasn't just, hey, they kind of hung around for a while. It was a, a solid contest and without some you know, shots in the foot that they delivered to themselves via turnovers and special teams, I think it, it could have been even closer. Um, so Nebraska hosts Illinois this week. Illinois is, is a team that had a nice bounce-back win. Knowing this Illini team, they have to prove to me that they can stop a decent offense before I, I get behind them too much. I, I think the win was nice over Minnesota, but uh, until they can stop somebody, and, and with Nebraska's offense of skill players that tend to give Illinois trouble, I don't see that happening. But I just want to get your thoughts on where this Nebraska thing is headed, and do you see them stumbling this weekend? Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the, they combine for 100. <laughs> I mean, both of these teams, they run it well. A lot of explosive players. I mean, you know, we, we've seen Adrian Martinez be great. You know, I think they've got six straight games as a team with 450 yards of offense. You got, you know, Ozigbo running for 100 yards almost every game. You got Stanley Morgan, J.D. Spielman rewriting the record books. And then how about Reggie Corbin? I mean, leading the nation. It's been awesome. You yeah. know, four 70-yard runs this year. Just went over two bills against Minnesota. They dropped a double nickel on them, as you know. So I wouldn't be shocked uh, to see either team, you know, get to 30, 40, maybe even 50. I mean, we saw Nebraska give up 229 to Ohio State on the ground, and we know Illinois' bread and butter is, is doing that. They're a better running team than Ohio State. So it should be a shootout. It should yeah, be fun. Kind of intriguing with A.J. Bush going against his former team. Yeah, and that yeah, too. You, you mentioned Corbin. I mean, that's a guy I didn't know much about personally. Like, I knew his stats from last year, and he's obviously had a breakout year. I didn't know much about the person and he's kind of come out as the face of this team. You know, the, the Journey did a piece on him this past week about how he lost his mom 10 years ago and how he played rugby in high school and just stuff I didn't really know about him. And he's really been a good ambassador, representative for the program. So good to see that. Uh, and looking forward to another weekend of college football as we balance it with our, you know, portions of hoops that were delivered throughout the week and, and weekend as well. So H, we'll have plenty to talk about especially in November with uh, double duty here. But uh, hopefully we don't have to talk too much with any more over this uh, construction going on in the background. I don't know if any, I don't know if, it, I don't know if the mic picked it up, but for those who uh, obviously can't see us, our studio here is right on the edge of a building that's on the Chicago River. And the bridge that connects Chicago Avenue across the Chicago River is being constructed or reconstructed over the next couple of years and even eight floors up. The noise is uh, definitely noticeable, at least in here. And annoying. And anno- yeah, annoying. It's, <laughs> you can lose your train of thought up here. Getting, so even with the soundproof walls, we're, we're still getting construction noise. So hopefully we don't have to deal with that going forward. But uh, either way, we'll get in here, we'll chop it up, and uh, try and get it to you every week. So H, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem, man. All right, thanks once again to Andy and Harold for joining me. I think this was... Uh, First time in the history of the Take 10 podcast, we've had back-to-back Andys on the show. Had Andy Staples last week, uh, Sports Illustrated, Andy Katz this week. A couple of uh, very high-profile guys in the sports industry, and uh, 
two of the best Andys out there. So I know we've had two Kevins before. We've had Kevin Kugler and Kevin Kiermeyer on one episode. So I don't think that'll ever be topped. But uh, maybe we'll get Andy Staples, Andy Katz on the same episode at some point. Try and tie that record. Once again, following that shout out to my guests, I want to give a shout out to the listeners. Thanks as always for tuning in. And also a shout out to my team of producers, Wes White, Julie Bronder, who help week in and week out put these shows together and Colleen Degnan who helps out with the podcast as well so appreciate everyone involved and of course like I said everyone for listening all right it's a busy time of year I uh, got hoops and football intertwining and crisscrossing and uh, converging here and it, it's a lot to keep track of but that's why we're here so keep subscribing and until next time we'll talk to you soon here on the Tech 10 podcast